Hello and welcome to an Inform Live Radio on 1150 AM KKNW and CHD TV. I'm your host, Bernadette Pager, coming to you from the beautiful state of Tennessee. We got a little bit of snow today, which is kind of, un- well, I guess it's not unusual. In Tennessee this time of year, you can have 70 degrees one day, which we did day before yesterday, and snow the next. So it's it's an interesting place to live and an interesting time of year. Um, really hoping that my uh, co-host Javier Figueroa is on his way. So uh, he was intending on coming. So Javier, where are you? Hopefully he'll be here in just a minute. Um, This two hours, it's an interesting uh, juxtaposition here. So the first hour we're going to, we're going to be talking about, it's pretty heavy stuff. So it, it has what has been uncovered about what we've been experiencing with the pandemic for the past three years, how it emerged, the the layers behind it, and really the intent behind it. We, and you will see because we've got a video um, of somebody giving this amazing presentation and it's highly cited, highly detailed to show you exactly in some of bits of this you've seen in the news. But then in a second hour, after we tell you all this very heavy stuff that is pretty intense, um, I've got a pre-recorded um, interview that we're going to play for you. And it's, it, it's the opposite. It's not intent to harm, it's intent to heal. And I I just want you to keep in mind that no matter what you see in the first hour, just remember that human spirit is alive and well and very powerful. And there's a lot we can do to change the trajectory, to make things good and well. Um, so, So have no fear. Information is power. Knowledge is power. And it's all about having everything bubble up to the surface. So, um, you know, with that said, I see that Javier is on his way. It might be a few more minutes. I'm going to go ahead and and just kind of start the video here and let it play for a few minutes. So you'll get an introduction of what it is I'm babbling on about here. So uh, let's see if I can get that to go. How do I do that? There we go. Uh, uh, thank you very much, and uh, thank you for all of you attending. Um, I'd like to say as an introduction, I'm a private citizen. I, I, I left the industry. I wasn't working in it. I didn't want to, and I became very concerned, and I started my own investigation because I recognized uh, my own government was lying to me, and the health officials who I previously uh, trusted and respected were uh, telling outright lies, and so I wanted to find out for myself. Um, I started, uh, my initial investigation was into, as uh, Jonathan, and we actually uh, exchanged emails with Jonathan for for a while on this topic, it was into the um, uh, good manufacturing practice compliance in relation to these uh, products. 
just for you to understand what good manufacturing practice means in the practice, it applies to drugs and it applies to food and other mass-produced products that are consumed. And uh, for example, if you're uh, buying your favorite beer today and then you go to the to, to buy it again um, a week from now or a month from now, your experience is the same. It shouldn't be a thousand times different experience. The same goes for you know, the medicines like aspirin that you buy in a pharmacy. And um, again, you don't expect it to be a thousand times different uh, a week from now versus today. That's why everywhere in the developed world, most of the world, we have what's called good manufacturing practices. And as a highly regulated industry, pharmaceutical manufacturers are supposed to comply with them. And this means that the product that they claim that they make, with the ingredients that they claim that they make, is supposed to be in every vial, every shot, um, every pill, uh, over and over and over again. And they should be almost almost um, identical to each other. So that was my first investigation. And what I first found, and this was my first few months of investigation, was evidence of very bad manufacturing practices indeed um, uh, with relation to these mRNA um, injections. Uh, and to set myself a baseline on, of what a, a, a vaccine product similar uh, product should look like. I looked first at the um, VAERS, uh, which is a uh, vaccine adverse event reporting system of CDC, um, and I looked at historical flu vaccines. This is data for 30 years that exists in the database. There are dozens of manufacturers manufacturing hundreds, thousands and thousands of lots uh, of this product. In the US, um, about 50% of the population gets the flu shot. Um, and uh, by the way, here I'm not endorsing uh, flu vaccines or any vaccines anymore because until this investigate is investigated fully nobody should be taking anything uh, that's my professional opinion but um, just to Sorry about that. I'm going to pause here. Um, and now that you've heard uh, this woman speak a little bit, I'm going to tell you a little bit, just a little bit about her. We don't know a whole lot. I'm hoping when Javier arrives, he may know a little more. But her name is Sasha Ladiapova. And she is a pharma and medical device research and development executive. And as she said in the very beginning, she she could not do and say what she wanted to do and say in order to examine these products. So she left her job and became independent to do this research and just stand up and speak the truth. Now, for those of you who are only uh, with us via audio, um, she briefly put up a slide and it showed um, the uh, lines going across from left to right, the, the, number of adverse event reports to the VAERS system for flu, flu vaccines over the years. Mm -hmm. And those lines were fairly low on the page. It was, you know, a jagged line left to right, but fairly consistent um, and fairly low. Um, so now I'm going to go ahead and play and then I'll pause again when she gets to the next slide and let you know what that is saying. 
but just to give you an idea of what historically a typical vaccine would look like, uh, and this is, uh, you know, as I said, data for 30 years, dozens of manufacturers. As you can see, it doesn't vary a lot. Um, the, all the adverse events on the uh, vertical axis, these are serious adverse events and deaths reported per each lot, which is just arranged on the horizontal axis. You can see that they vary very little. Um, you know, somewhere under 10 reports, there are very, very few deaths here. And um, I'm going to pause and say welcome to Javier. I'm glad that you made it. Yay. Thank you so much. Yeah. And so I just kind of jumped in here to get the folks started. Um, and I want, I know her accent, it can be a little bit um, hard to understand. I just want to emphasize that she's talking about lots. The graph that she is showing um, has to do with the adverse reactions per lot for a particular vaccine. So she's showing that, you know, certain lots, they'd be like what we called a, a hot batch. Exactly. Okay. And um, so we'll go on for there. And again, she's first showing us flu shots over the years. Uh, and the maximum we ever found was um, 37 per lot, and those were just two outliers in the whole historic period. So when I looked at the same exact graph for mRNA injections for the U.S., uh, I found this. So when she says, I found this, what you're seeing is another graph. Um, and on the bottom, you know, just a tiny bit above baseline, you've got the flu shot for comparison. And then you've got cascade and Olympic mountain style <laughs> lines of adverse events per lot for um, you've got, is it, is it the Johnson on the left? I can't, it'll be yes. closer here. And then in the middle Moderna and then Correct. Pfizer's are huge. Yep. Um, the, the variation in block in lot and um, adverse event per lot. It's just massive. We have never seen in VAERS ever such adverse reactions. So I'll continue mm -hmm. with her. Uh, and here, the whole flu data set sits below that red line. Okay, and even visually, you can see that there are three different manufacturers here. You shouldn't be able to see that. It's, they're claiming it's the same product. Um, and uh, so we see Janssen, Moderna, and Pfizer. Uh, as you can see, there were lots that had almost no adverse events reported. And see, I'm again only looking at serious adverse events and deaths. There were almost no adverse events reported uh, in some lots, and some lots had thousands, and they had hundreds of deaths. And so this, this is not good manufacturing practice compliant product at all. Um, and I also want to add at this point, I always want to put in two caveats when we're talking about VAERS data. Number one, we know it suffers from extreme underreporting. CDC, HHS, they acknowledge that. They might not acknowledge how extreme the underreporting is, but they acknowledge it's there. And I don't recall the current um, fairly conservative estimates by scientists recently, but it's somewhere around 40, isn't it, Javier? Correct. Yes, 40. So, yeah, if you really need to multiply these numbers by 40 um, to get to the true numbers. And the other caveat I must add, and this was revealed by a woman injured by the Janssen shot in 2021, um, and she posts on Twitter, Michelle Zimmerman, she's in Washington State. She wrote to VAERS and said, where's my updates on, you know, because when you go to VAERS, 
and you see she knows how to look up her own number, her ID number, because they're de-identified, and she knows which one's hers. All that's showing is her original filing, and she has been submitting update after update. And so she posted their response. The only thing publicly available is the first VAERS report you file. So if all these research analysts, if the only thing they're seeing is that first report, which might say somebody had a headache, right. a stomach ache, um, they felt faint, you know, their blood pressure shot up and they went to the ER and then came home. If that's what they reported, but then a month later they had a stroke or became paralyzed or were diagnosed with Guillain-Barre and they keep updating FDA with their various reports. You don't see that. You don't see it that, is exactly. not in the data that the public can see. It's it's just outlandish. Okay, so that's where we are with and and even then it's mountains compared to what is usually visible in bears. Like I don't not even close. Uh, and then we, we later found out the sizes of the lots adjusted by the size of the lot by the number of the doses. The, the story doesn't change. The, the picture doesn't change. They still have variation thousand times lot to lot. Uh, and here's another view, uh, you know, similar, but uh, here I'm just looking at Moderna. Uh, uh, on the horizontal axis is all the lots uh, with date of manufacture, by date of manufacture, and then on the vertical axis in blue it's serious adverse events, and orange it's death. Um, so what's it is very strange, again, bizarre. The, the, a well-manufactured product should not look like this at all. Um, another, another point I want to make is um, uh, these products were rolled out, mass rolled out in the U.S. Uh, starting somewhere late December, early January 2021. Uh, on January 18th, Orange County, California Health Department flagged this particular lot of Moderna for what they called excessive number of allergic reactions. Uh, nothing was done about it. The injections did, were not stopped. Um, in fact, this lot was being sold all over the United States uh, until it ran out in, uh, in late March. And as you know, if there's salmonella in salad, they will recall the entire product from all the shelves in the country, right? Uh, that's what you should do. As a manufacturer, all manufacturers have systems to detect this. And majority of recalls of products are voluntary because they don't want this to happen. Yet here, nobody stopped, not the manufacturer, not the health authorities of Orange County, not the, not the CDC, FDA, whoever was supposed to monitor this. They continued selling this lot. They, uh, it, it's now associated with over 65 deaths in the U.S. and over 3,000 serious adverse events. So after something like this happens, everything that follows is intentional. And I would like. So Javier, what she just said there is so important that I want, you know, our viewers to understand. She said everything that follows is intentional. That's correct. Because when you when you know this information and you do not do what is expected, what what is regulated, what would normally be done with any other product all the actions you're taking have to be made with intent because otherwise they, they would have pulled the lots. Exactly. They would have pulled all the shots by now. Um, it's just, it's so important. And it just, the layers that she's going to be pulling back here are, 
phenomenal. And don't forget that the Syrian young, when they filed uh, or they sued the FDA to release the Pfizer documentations, when the documents came out, Pfizer already had documented 1,200 deaths. Yes. Post, post the release of the uh, of the EUA uh, mass vaccination campaign, 1,200 deaths that they claimed. Well, there's no there's no real evidence that it is, but these were people that were in the trials and they died. Yeah. Not not the trial, but they took the, the product and they died. They took the product and they died within, it was the, like the first two months. First two months. And when you have the pharmaceutical company that did the, so I'm going to do an air quotes clinical trial as we'll see what's going on here as it progresses. Um, if they're the ones who supply the data to the oversight agencies, to the FDA and the CDC, and if they are the ones then when adverse events come in after this product is released to the public under this emergency use, and they're the ones who get to evaluate whether or not somebody's death has anything to do with the product, um, what do you think they're going to say? Oh, it's not related. No, it's not related. All these heart attacks, absolutely unrelated. You know, gosh, the anyway, it's okay. So that's where we are. To, you know, the, everybody at this point, uh, people were asking, why are the regulators not acting? So they see all this data. I'm not the only one. I've collaborated with a number of people who brought the same great analysis. Uh, Jessica Rose wrote numerous analysis on various data. There are hundreds of researchers literally looking at that data set and, um, you know, screaming at CDC, why don't, why don't you do anything about it? Yet they look back at us and they say, we looked at it, it's safe and effective, go get vaccinated. That's, that's, the, that's the answer everyone receives. So why? Why were they all behaving this way and why authorities in uh, Europe behave in exact same way? In South Africa, exact same way. Australia, exact same way. Why are they all following the same script? Um, what I found ultimately, I, I met this wonderful uh, legal researcher, Catherine Watt. She writes amazing uh, substack. Uh, pause just so we can say that uh, Catherine Watt, W-A-T-T, and she also has a substack. So um, uh, this is Sasha Latipova, L-A-T-Y-P-O-V-A. Mm -hmm. But then Catherine Watt also has a substack and is writing about the same subject. And it's called Daily Week News. Um, and her legal research really filled that question and that puzzle. And so uh, what we now jointly collaborate on is uh, revealing the structure, the, the, the pseudo-legal structure, it's not lawful, they made it legal on paper only, um, of, of this criminal cartel, of government, pharma, military, criminal cartel, and it actually is operating all over the world. So the first, um, the, I'm, I'm now kind of talking about the U.S., based structure, but it does extend all over the world. So in the U.S., they used emergency use authorization. They kind of perverted that law that was put in place in 97. Uh, it was, um, at the time, very narrowly defined for only conditions that didn't have alternative treatment and only very severe ones. So, but they started using it very broadly, and as far as I know, uh, now almost uh, you know, hundreds of, of products have been emergency use authorized without any evidence of emergency, they just go ahead and roll over uh, everyone and, and just saying, oh no, this is emergency, we can authorize it, and no safety or efficacy testing applies. In addition to that, and this is what 
is less understood by, by, by everyone, is that the Department of Defense um, in the U.S. ordered all these COVID products, which includes vaccines, but also includes therapeutics, monoclonal antibodies, diagnostics, even masks and staffing. And so there is the whole huge spending uh, ordering these so-called COVID countermeasures under this contracting framework. It's called Other Transaction Authority. Um, and uh, the, uh, it was put in place in the 60s only for NASA, and uh, now 11 federal agencies use it. Department of Defense is a particular huge user of this contracting method because it allows them to contract without following any federal procurement um, rules and regulations with a lot of secrecy, um, and they can specifically order uh, products from otherwise regulated industries such as pharma without following any regulations. And so, Javier, I wanted to ask you a little bit about that. Let's, let's kind of repeat what she said, that there is a classification called other mm -hmm. <laughs> that the government can make contracts under yes. to procure, procure things, make things yes. happen. And once you procure something under this other category, all the rules and regulations that are out there for good manufacturing practices, for clinical trials, for whatever it pertains to, those no longer pertain because you're Correct. under this special other category. Exactly. Yes, that's exactly it. They, so this is something that's been building up slowly over time. And so they've. this is uh, moving a lot of um, uh, U.S. codes uh, and also emergency measures into place that allow you to actually um, take take full advantage of the fact that when you suspend or apply certain rules like a public health emergency, all of a sudden that activates a whole set of different rules that suspend certain um, certain requirements and obligations uh, that are codified in I think twenty one USC three six six three K, which is again the. Only people that are actually going to take the time to to read and and really get to know the law and know the the process of how this got in, this got enacted, mm -hmm. you, you're not going to be able to 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 realize it because again, she made a very good point. They told the regulators that the signal is obvious. Why aren't you doing anything? It's safe and effective. We looked at it. Safe and effective. Take your shot. Again, it's not because they have. And what she's going to say is going to be shocking because she said she basically says they have no legal authority over this yeah. product. Yeah. So let yeah let's continue. And also without even um, disclosing IP and things like that. So it's 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 a lot of secrecy. They typically use this framework to order weapons from defense contractors, but now they're using the same framework to order what they tell us is a pharmaceutical product. And finally, all this, this structure clicks into place when uh, uh, HHS secretary or uh, the, the Department of Health and Human Services in the U.S. declares uh, a pandemic or a public health emergency. And of course, they declared it immediately after the WHO declared it based on 40 cases in 8 billion people in the world. So they just decided it's time to declare a pandemic, and in the U.S. they declared public health emergency. So when all of this comes in play together, what happens is uh, there is this interesting law 
in the U.S. This particular um, U.S. code um, is, is cited here, which says that the use of emergency use authorized countermeasures is not a clinical investigation under public health emergency. That explains why they need to extend the public health emergency in perpetuity because that allows them to implement this crime. Uh, and the, the, the significance of this is that if countermeasure is not, it cannot be a clinical investigational product, then no pharmaceutical regulation applies to these products. So here's the lie that our government told to us and told to the world and the governments all over the world repeated to their citizens. They were claiming that it's a health event. They were claiming that they're producing pharmaceutical products to the good manufacturing standards when they perfectly well knew, I'm sure, I assure you they were all aware of this, they perfectly well knew that no pharmaceutical regulations apply to these things, countermeasures. So uh, this, this word countermeasure is a very interesting word. It has, it's a very fluffy definition. There's no real definition. If, I, if somebody attacks me, I pick up a rock and throw at them, that's a countermeasure. So anything can be a countermeasure. Um, they're just, it's just a, a category of things. And so, uh, uh, but once they designate them as such, they're no longer pharmaceuticals. They're just lying to you that these are pharmaceuticals. They're actually not. Uh, now, in the U.S. also, uh, the government lied to us about this being a health event to begin with. Uh, when they told us it's a global pandemic, it's a virus, it's a virus from a uh, wet market, in reality what they did, they organized the response to it as if it was war. So in the U.S., um, National Security Council was put in charge of COVID pandemic response. National Security Council uh, is advisory body to the U.S. Uh, president, and it it's consists of um, defense heads and intelligence heads mostly. No healthcare representatives on it. Yet for some unknown reason, it became in charge of a so-called health event. Um, and what's even more important, and I'm, I'm using their own slides. These are not my slides. These are from the U.S. government, Department of Defense, BARDA, and Operation Warp Speed. So here's the slide from Operation Warp Speed presentation. I'll go ahead and pause there so we can look at it and then describe it to um, the audio uh, only listeners here. Um, what are we looking at? So on the left, <clears throat> we have vaccine leadership and Project coordination teams, AstraZeneca, Janssen, Moderna, Novavax, Biotech, BioNTech, Janssen, GSK. and what's that other one down there? GSK and Sanofi. And Sanofi, okay. Yeah. And uh, clinical and development, there's nothing in listed in there. It's basically the same companies that are running okay. through it, and they're just checking off the boxes. So gotcha. on, the, on the left side, there's just the multicolored little uh, push button thing that just basically says all of those companies were the ones that were uh, that were producing the uh, the quote vaccines mm -hmm. they were producing the products the products and yeah. on the right are the ones who were in charge which was the NSC the National Security Council, Council. yep the DoD which is a Department mm -hmm. of Defense and BARDA. What do you remember? What BARDA stands for? So BARDA is a is a special unit, I believe, under DARPA, and also has some connections to NIH. And they're basically in charge of the entire uh, vaccine portfolio, the quote vaccine portfolio. Okay. So they oversee it. 
And so then we've got the chief operating officer of... Um, that's the Department military? of Defense. Yes, Department that's the Department of Defense. Defense. Yep. And chief science advisor, that looks like an HHS eagle there. That's FDA. Oh, that's FDA. Okay. Yeah. Um, so no conflict of interest. No, no. And you know what? This is this is so huge. I want to get some of the get a hold of these slides or take snapshots or something. And I'll send them to you. Okay, fantastic. And you know, Javier, I'm going to put you on the spot here. I would love it if you could if you already done a Substack post on particularly on this presentation. What we're do we'll we'll be sliding your presentation or sharing your presentation to break it down further. You really got to review this stuff a couple of times to see it. And it, oh, yes. and it's like um uh, Sasha is saying in the video, she's using their own slides, their own information, their own contracts, and just showing you that right in front of us, but hidden from us at the same time, they're carrying out a military operation. So uh, I want to go ahead because I want to make sure we get through this whole thing. Where they discuss the organizational structure of this effort. And it's interesting, it's an org chart, uh, and uh, it's turned on the side. So uh, as you can see, the, um, uh, who is in charge of this operation? The chief operating officer is the Department of Defense. We were told, oh, they're just you know, doing logistics. No, no, they're not just doing logistics, they're running the whole thing. Uh, and uh, uh, HHS here is uh, chief science advisor. And now you can see also, the whole structure on the top layer here, it's executive structure. It's all US government, National Security Council, Department of Defense, BARDA, um, and they're doing everything. They're doing all these functions that normally pharmaceutical companies are very sensitive about. They, they normally need to design, um, design their clinical trials themselves, uh, safety monitoring themselves, all that. but here it's the government is doing it for them. They're designing clinical trials. They're in fact even hiring the uh, contractors, like a clinical uh, contractor search organizations to run them. Uh, they uh, have legislative affairs, so they're interacting with Congress on their behalf. And they have an Office of General Counsel, which is the Department of Justice defending them. In fact, when you know there was this famous uh, case where uh, uh, Pfizer, or it was said that Pfizer or FDA didn't want to release clinical trial data for 75 years. Well, who was arguing in court on behalf of Pfizer? Pfizer lawyers were not even in the room. It was the Department of Justice. So why is U.S. government defending presumably a private commercial interest of a pharmaceutical company. So um, here you can see that the pharmaceutical companies are a third level down. They are not in charge but they're getting tremendous amounts of money to shut up and, and follow the orders and, and do as they're told. But the whole operation is run uh, by the Department of Defense and the US government. I'm not absolving farmers, by the way, of any responsibility. They're criminals in this cartel and they're collaborating and they're, they're co-conspirators and should be prosecuted together. But as um, Dr. Malone um, actually mentioned, and I, I completely agree, here we have an implemented model of fascism. This is how it's done. Government merges with private corporations. You, you can't even say who's you know, wagging the dog, but they're merged. They, and then, they, and then they align, and then they're extending this liability to the uh, private commercial entities from which they then extract 
um, commercial interest or, or whatever, whatever interest they want to extract. So my question is, who is really manufacturing these injections? Well, uh, again, in the same presentation, Operation Warp Speed and BARDA were bragging about their vaccine manufacturing portfolio. And um, you can see that the, on the, uh, the right-hand side, um, there are, uh, they call it vaccine-supporting efforts. These are all established defense contractors. The contracts for these were released uh, through FOIA, and they go back to at least uh, 2012, maybe earlier. And all of these are established defense contractors who already had established a vaccine manufacturing base. And at that time, it was called pan-influenza. In early 2020, they simply switched to uh, COVID. On the left-hand side, they call these vaccines. But read the words carefully. They're telling you the truth. On this side, it's called demo. All of them say demo. What, that's what the government ordered, a demonstration, which is fake by definition. On the right-hand side is the manufacturing. These are, these are the companies who are really making these products. Uh, and Javier, can you explain that a little bit? I'm not paused at the right place. I need to kind of back that up. No problem. Um, there we go. So this is what I don't quite understand, because she said it's it's really not the vaccine manufacturers. It says demo. It's a, it's a demonstration. Mm-hmm. So one of the ways that they got around the legal authority uh, that the, the, the Department of Defense could actually use the other transactional authority um, mechanism was to declare them to declare these a demonstration project, a countermeasure demonstration project. So they were not the, they were not producing something that was quote a, a pharmaceutical. It was a demonstration project. So. On this particular slide from the ASPR, which is the uh, Administration for Strategic Preparedness and Response, which is underneath the Health and Human Services uh, uh, Department, uh, they have all these companies uh, contracted for manufacturing demonstrations. So everything that is out there right now that is being marketed as a COVID vaccine is a a manufacturing demonstration project, and that's it. By the very contract that the Department of Defense signed with these companies, it's just a demonstration of manufacturing. There is no requirement for good manufacturing practices, no requirement for actually showing any ability to stop transmission, stop infection, or even reduce the chance of dying from it. So if they're not that, what the hell are they? That's a good question. Let's go on and see if we find out. Inside is the manufacturing. These are, these are the companies who are really making these products. Uh, another slide from uh, about a year ago, uh, also from uh, BARDA, from uh, uh, the, their public, public event. Um, and here they're bragging about how much money they spent very quickly. Uh, so it's, you know, US government prints the money, throws it from the helicopter. Here we have half a billion uh, for one company, two billion for another company, a billion here, two billion there. You know, they spent you know, four or five trillion dollars on this. Uh, and on the, on the, on the right-hand side, you can see uh, what they bought for these billions. Again, a whole bunch of demonstrations. These are not, pro they're very carefully, these, these words are very carefully designed. They're, they have legal meaning. Uh, yeah, so um, on the slides, you will see like AstraZeneca, the name of the uh, vaccine product. Then it says R&D and commercial scale manufacturing. Um, 
GlaxoSmithKline, she's got demo circled, manufacturing demo, uh, yep. community dem demo, Johnson & Johnson demo. demo. Yep. Um, and then I think when they put scale manufacturing, um, I'm, I'm thinking that what they mean is demonstrating that they can get a factory up and going, making particular types of products and bring it up to scale. They were testing Correct. to see if this could be implemented. Correct. It's, it's almost as if um, they felt like something massive was coming. They were terrified to tell the, the world something massive is coming. So they're claiming that COVID is here and they're going to force all this stuff on it to make everybody guinea pigs and whatever it is they're doing and make it look like for show. And I think we're getting to the point, gotta watch the time. I think we're getting to the point where we have a very clear example in court and that was with the Brooke Jackson case. Correct, yeah. And and that's what they exactly what they bought. They bought demonstrations. They spent 47 billion, again, Barda is bragging about their achievements. 33 billion went to vaccines. This is just for the R&D for these contracts. Uh, and, uh, you know, as you can see, they funneled a, a huge amount of money through this. Uh, these are all the contracts. They're publicly available. Uh, there's a link here. Uh, this is just a screenshot. There are about 400 co uh, contracts there. As you can see, all of them say DOD. Department of Defense contracted these companies. That, that's how the money was spent. Robert Kudlik himself allocated it to his friends to make sure. Um, and it's managed through a manager, uh, Advanced Technologies International, which is the first line here. Here's Advanced Technologies International. It seems very healthcare related to me. <laughs> it's got a picture <laughs> of a uh, military they're, pilot. They're, they're uh, long-standing DOD manager of contracts, and they manage it again through OTA. I circled it up there. So uh, other transaction authority. Uh, the contracts themselves, I'm not going to go through detail, but they're extremely, um, you know, micromanaging in terms of operations, how things are going to be done. They exempt uh, everyone who participates in this, regardless of where they're working. Uh, uh, as long as they're following the orders, they're exempt from liability under PREP Act clause. Uh, that same PREP Act clause uh, states that um, this is dual-use uh, civil and military application product. Now, for the international, um, that's how they exempt themselves internationally, is Pfizer forced um, the countries, or, or, well, negotiated with Ursula, uh, specifically by text, to, uh, to sign these predatory contract clauses uh, where the, the, the local governments have to lift good manufacturing practice requirements or any uh, drug importation requirements and look the other way. And uh, in fact, if you citizens get injured and then you sue, your, you sue Pfizer in Sweden, then Swedish government has to indemnify them and put state assets such as military ba bases, embassies and other state assets as a collateral. So somebody asked me, why would a private pharma manufacturer want a military base overseas? And I said, well, that's because it's the U.S. government who wants that base, not the private commercial manufacturer. Um, and uh, they also remove, essentially, national sovereignty by prohibiting the country from changing their own national laws with regard to the pharma liability. Um, they also, while they're saying that, you know, if the product is non-conforming, it's basis for, uh, you know, dissolution of this contract, 
they also prohibit testing of product on importation. So to date, nobody still knows what's in those vials. Like they didn't know at the time of, of the approval, they still don't know. We still have that variability between the batches. We still know that there are clustering of deaths in some uh, geographies and um, some others are, are uh, totally, totally seem to be fine. So I, I just want to repeat, because she said it quickly, these contracts that were set up by the DOD with these products with other countries, they were forbidden to test the vaccine ingredients upon entry into their country. It was in contract. They could not do it. Oh, okay. So uh, we still do not know what's happening with the product itself. And here's just a, to show you a couple of these contracts. Um, Pfizer, uh, I just want to emphasize the scale, the, the scope of the product, of the proposal for this uh, contract is large-scale vaccine manufacturing demonstration. The uh, specific, uh, specific clause here uh, about the scope of the project specifically says that preclinical, clinical trials, chemistry manufacturing controls, which is all of those compliance issues and regulatory compliance are out of scope of this product. The government never bought it, the government never ordered it, never gave them money for it, and there is no way to enforce it because they also absolve them from all liabilities through the uh, PrEP clause. Uh, a Moderna contract is just uh, showing you that, uh, sorry, it's a small language, but um, the, the, that it's, it gives them PrEP Act uh, clause uh, liability protection and uh, this is both civil and military application. And um, so what, what really happened here is that vaccine development and approval, why, what, what, what were they doing when doing this? Well, what they, they doing, they were play acting. They never had to follow those regulations by, by law that they wrote themselves. It's an illegal law. It's, it's not lawful. It's not constitutional, but they made it legal on paper that they don't have to do them. Yet they went and had, ahead and did them in collaboration with FDA and CDC and all other agencies. And that was just to convince you, the public, that it really is a pharmaceutical product where it, it actually is not. Um, the clinical trials were never ordered. Um, the, uh, the good manufacturing practice compliance was never ordered. And, you know, legally speaking, there were no, never even clinical trial subjects or investigators, because if you cannot have an investigational uh, product, then there is no investigation. So FDA leadership and then global regulatory leadership, what they did, they impersonated the regulators so that you fall for this lie and, and go get injected. Um, and uh, finally, Pfizer already invoked this in their, as a legal defense. Um, there, you know, if you maybe heard about Brooke Jackson's case in the U.S., uh, she's suing Pfizer under False Claims Act that they defrauded the government. Well, Pfizer already uh, filed motion to dismiss. The case hasn't been dismissed yet, uh, but Pfizer already in court stated that, please dismiss this case, judge. We did not defraud the government. We delivered the fraud that the government ordered. <laughs> So there we go. Hold on. I got to figure out how to um, stop sharing this amazing. There we, there we go. Thank you, Nathan. Um, that just blew me away. I've seen it a couple of times now and I, I kind of need to 
to watch it again, to really understand. Again, for those of you just listening on the radio, she's showing actual Department of Defense contracts for these products and and the whole and the overhead and, and the whole step of the way. It it's so alarming, but it answers so many questions, doesn't it? It does. Be- because we've been we will watch these. Do- we were calling them dog and pony show absurd Verbac meetings of vaccine and related biological, you know, advisory committee meetings, and they'd be talking about these products. And it's just like they would be hearing things who are thinking there's no way they could vote to to recommend these products for emergency use. And then they all just sort of look around at each other and shrug and vote to send it on as if there's nothing else they can do. It has been so alarming and absurd. But if they're being told this is a military exercise, we have to do this. I mean, I mean, did we get invaded by aliens who are going to be spraying us with something? And they're, you know, what I I can see, I'm just like, ah. Um, And, you know, we're almost out of time. So Javier, tell me, you've been pondering on this longer because you're the one who showed me this. This is this is all part of a coordinated effort that has been implemented that it's it's been a long-term uh, process of putting the right people in the right positions in the right organizations fauci's one piece he's been around for a long time he's sort of been the one that for example what most people don't realize is that fauci was probably the single greatest cause of aids deaths in the united states and around the world and if you remember the movie the dallas buyers club the villain in the movie was Fauci because mm-hmm. he was denying access to actual treatments that had been effective in favor of something that was going to uh, going to help uh, pharmaceuticals. Well, mm-hmm. when you have a process where you have a certain ideology, a certain indoctrination, where you view your country as the greatest enemy in the world and that the 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 need to destroy the United States from within is so essential, you can you can recruit a cadre of highly motivated people and put them in specific parts of government. It doesn't have to be a large group, just to be key critical people there. And if you have uh, institutions and, and groups, for example, the Rockefeller Foundation, the Ford Foundation, the Carnegie Foundation, the World Economic Forum, uh, these organizations that have vast amounts of money, vast amounts of experience interacting with government organizations and training people. And here's the other thing, uh, uh, Klaus Schwab, he bragged that they'd infiltrated just about every single government in the planet or in, in the West, and they have their agents, you know, in there implementing whatever, uh, you know, economic or social uh, program that they have. So the idea that we have something, I mean, they're saying it, they're saying it out loud. So the idea that there is a group of people within DOD, BARDA, DARPA, FDA, CIA, NSA, all these groups is not ridiculous. There is coordination. Not everyone has a a grasp of the entire picture. It's compartmentalized. And so you have a small group of terrorists, a small group of traitors that are fundamentally redirecting the means of communication within certain groups, especially the Department of Defense, and getting these contracts, which are through the NDAA, which is a large omnibus bill that no one reads that allows all these rule changes to occur. 
and allows them to implement it legally, but unlawfully. So again, this is something that us as American citizens, we have to come to grips with. And I think Catherine Watt makes it very clear. She says, you know, our institutions, they're still rescuable, but right now they're threadbare. And we have to be willing to do the long, hard fight to take back control of these institutions and say, you're done. We can't have this anymore. And is it is it like what we have seen in in like major medical institutions where you get people at the top who know yes. these products harm, um, you know, this and that, but the information they push down, they educate people to believe the medical doctors, the people running the hospitals to yes. believe that these, this is the right way. This should be standard of care. This should, whatever. So you've got this army of people who have been lied to. Yes. And led in a certain direction. So it's not like all of DOD. It's a it's bad seeds it's bad driving seeds. things in the wrong direction. So people think they're doing the noble good thing. Correct. Um, but but they are not. They've but been subverted. Not. Correct. It's becoming you would think it's so big and obvious now. It's I, I've said this a couple of times. To me, it's like we've been pointing up into the sky at an alien invasion, but it's been cloaked. And it's like, can't you see the signals? Can't you see it's there? And nobody would look up. They, they always said we were crazy. But now that that giant um, spacecraft in the sky is using so much energy yes. to, to do what it wants to do, it's become uncloaked. And Correct. people are like, whoa, they can What's see this? it now. You're right. Yeah. They, it's just, they, it would, they were slow boiling the frog, but then they turned up the heat real fast and people are seeing it and jumping out of the pot. Exactly. Um, yeah. There's, there's multiple things going on that are driving attention away from what's going on. For one, Pfizer's being put out as a potential scapegoat for everything that's been going on. That much is obvious at this point. You don't get Project Veritas to break a story like that unless they needed Pfizer to take the blame. You don't have a story that is, you know, basically uncovering the relationships that uh, the Biden administration has with Ukraine and China. You put up a balloon or you say it's a UFO. You don't, uh, you don't, um, you misdirect and you cause an accident in Ohio to release one of the greatest ecological disasters this country has ever seen, which is the equivalent of a Chernobyl in the United States. And people need to realize that what's happening in Palestine, Ohio, with the break-in and the way they handled it was ridiculous. FEMA, the U.S. Army, all those groups have way more capabilities to handle this, and they didn't do it. Mm -hmm. So it was what happened in Palestine, Ohio, at this point is not is not incompetence. It's malice at this point. And this is and not to take away from people that actually were there trying to stop it. They were never given the right tools to do it. Yeah. And yeah, and the damage. I'm concerned. I've got in Laos who live just 55 miles away, um, you know, and and all of that pollution, toxins getting into the groundwater. It could go anywhere. It's it is very alarming. What I can't figure out is is why, why the toxic injections? Why is whoever wanting to do this? They're just wanting to damage us so much where it's easier to just walk in and take over. Absolutely. It's not so much a takeover. It's a depopulation agenda. And again, 
this is now really putting on the tinfoil hat, but it's really not a tinfoil hat. This is something that's been written about for decades. It's, you know, Agenda Agenda 2021, which is actually a UN agenda. There are pamphlets and plenty of information around it in Agenda 2030, which basically says we need to find a way to reduce population. Now, mm. what most people don't understand is that the majority of the leadership in the WEF, in Rockefeller Foundation, in Carnegie Foundation, and all these institutions, they were founded on the basis of eugenic belief, mm. eugenics. Mm -hmm. This is about culling population to put to move the undesirables out and keep what they consider desirable in. And this is this is the last thing I'm going to say. There was a study published by the Ministry, um, uh, Federal Institute of Population Research in Germany. And this was the BIB working paper of, um, uh, of 2022. And part of the abstracts, what they were looking at was fertility rates in Germany because they went down, they, they took a huge plunge. And they said, however, there was a strong association between the onset of vaccination programs and the fertility decline nine months after of this onset. The fertility decline in the first month of 2002 in Germany and Sweden is remarkable. Common explanations of fertility change during a pandemic do not apply in its aftermath. Basically, this is the German government saying it's the vaccines that are causing the infertility that we're seeing. Wow. What, what a place to end. But, you know, this first hour, I, we've got a hopeful, healing, wonderful second hour. So hang in there. We're going to take a break and we're going to come back and we're going to flip things around. You've been listening to an Informed Life Radio on 1150 AM KKNW and CHD TV. We will be back. If you're looking for a publication that delivers honest takes and critical insights into the issues of our day, then look no further than The Flame Paper. The Flame Paper is written for the people, by the people, who aren't afraid to challenge a mainstream narrative, be it health care, voter fraud, political correctness, or even the one world government. The Flame is full of timely articles, reports, and expert advice written by freedom-loving, truth-telling experts, journalists, and concerned citizens. To subscribe, go to theflameusa.com. During this unprecedented response to an infection outbreak, it has been made very clear that shutting down lives and businesses is not sustainable or repeatable. We've also learned that it's unnecessary. Treatments exist and always exist. For 99% of the population, nutrients and oxidative therapies that support the immune system and improve symptoms are always available to address viral infections. For the less than 1% who need more, Inexpensive, unpatentable drugs can be added to the nutrient therapies to improve outcomes. It's time each and every one of us empower ourselves with this knowledge. We need not ever bring our lives to a halt again. We can both save lives and retain the liberty that nourishes us body and soul. Learn more at HealthyImmunityNow.org. That's HealthyImmunityNow.org. Informed Choice Washington is a nonprofit organization that advocates for healthy immunity, medical freedom, and fully informed medical consent. The right to make medical choices without coercion is fundamental to our civil liberties and a basic principle in all human rights declarations. To learn more, tune in each Friday from 3 to 5 p.m. to an Informed Life Radio and visit the website informedchoicewa.org. It's time to take a stand for medical freedom. Go to informedchoicewa.org today we need a revolution 
Well, hello and welcome back to an Informed Life Radio on 1150 AM KKNW and CHD TV. Um, Javier, we've only got like a minute and a half to introduce this audio. We're going to play an interview. Um, but I'm so glad we paired things up this way because that first hour was really intense. <laughs> yes, it and was. we're going to we'll be talking about it more right as we move forward. Absolutely. So, I just want people to know knowledge is power, but you can find personal peace and healing. And that's what this this next hour is is all about, that once we all begin to really understand what has been done to us and who's doing it, we are powerful individuals and we can do a lot. I believe that love and 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 goodness will prevail We've got that strength and energy and on our side. And, and I'll give you a, a few words here, and then we're going to go off to the recording. <laughs> well, knowledge is power, and knowing who is doing it allows you to actually focus your energy properly and in unison with your neighbors and your family and your friends. So although it was heavy, once you come to grips with it, all of a sudden things begin to look a lot clearer. They do. And we don't... It, all of this kind of can make us angry. A- anger eats you up inside. Um, and then getting angry at the people who are still following what they've been told to do, that eats you up inside as well. So um, trying to find that place of, of grace in your heart um, and and that energy of healing. We get loud, we get active, but keep yourself open um, with love and light and it's time to start and here we go dr dana flavin of the of colmed.org here we go welcome uh professor dana flavin to an informed life radio well thank you very much for having me bernadette it's it's always not only an honor it's a pleasure to talk to you oh thank you i feel the same i hope uh one of these days we're going to be able to meet in person and i can give you a great big hug and, oh, and share this energy. <laughs> right, right. It's been it's been a it's been a long ride, I'll tell you. It's you know, this is this is nobody said it was an easy life, but they always told me that if you're here now, there's a job you have to do. So just do it. <laughs> yes. Go go where you're led, where you're calling. If if part of your body your body is telling you, your stomach, that gut response right. is telling you you should be doing that. But you have that little trepidation, that little bit of fear. Now is the time to just gather your resources, reach out to other people who are on that road ahead of you, like Dr. Flavin, like me, who took those first steps a while ago. We'll hold your hand and we'll bring you forward along the road. But we we all at this time of life, of this time of history, in 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 humanity, it's time for us all to stand up, to press the fear aside and do what's right for all of humanity, you know? Um, now, in our previous conversations, which is, have been about health and healing modalities, wonderful things that you have discovered, we always kind of come back, circle back around to energy, to the energy of life, of healing, so this this conversation with you, Dr. Flavin, Professor Flavin, I love that you are a professor now at Marconi University. Yes. And and where is that located? In Rome. In Rome. Do you physically go attend classes or is this a remote class? 
No, actually, the irony is that their computer people have to set it all up. They have to do the Zoom for me because I can't do it. They <laughs> have to have everything organized and do it all. And then they're always speaking to each other and to me in Italian. And I have to try and figure out what they're saying until I finally get to give my presentation in English. <laughs> oh, goodness. Okay. Oh, God. This is making me crazy. Yeah. I, I'm getting there. I'm getting there. I'm still <laughs> trying to figure out one word. Eh. And I, 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 don't, I don't know what it means, but I, I think it's important. <laughs> I, think, I think so, too. That's funny. Um, and, and how appropriate, though, that it is a remote class at Marconi University. I mean, you know, named is. The yes, yes and you're right. The, I didn't even think of that. That's perfect. That's the, perfect. The wireless technology way back when. Yes. Um, so anyway, as I was going. Um, energy. We, yeah, we always come back to energy. So. Right. I'm, I'm going to let you start this conversation about, you know, because it, it's so important to so many aspects of our lives right now. Right, right. Well, I, I am being, well, I've actually fallen into physics. And this started about 10 years ago when I, when I was actually going to some meetings on scalar waves. And the scalar waves will go through anything. They'll go through walls. I know Tesla worked with scalar waves. And um, they can carry information. In fact, I have a scalar wave machine, but I've always had trouble trying to set the darn thing up. One of my friends did set it up, and we programmed um, we programmed a, a, a stone with it. It was very interesting. And I said, well, maybe we could put the stone in the water, and it'll send off those frequencies because water carries frequencies. And it's frequencies in the um, in the cells that give messages in our body. Now I've been working on a paper, and I'm still not done yet because I actually I threw out three discs and actually four, but now it's only three. Um, one in my neck and the other three in my lumbar. So I'm trying to heal myself through my own energies of visualization. Um, just like Joe Dispenza helps my patients do by visualizing yourself getting well, by stopping the panic attacks and by starting to relax, et cetera, et cetera. But this whole energy field um, with frequencies that, that Luc Montagnier, the Nobel Prize winner, was working on and um, many, many of my colleagues it's it to me. It's amazing because Luc Montagnier could take the frequency number of a DNA strand and just send that number over a computer from Paris to Italy, and they took just the pieces of the DNA, okay, the nucleotides, and a polymerase, the enzyme necessary to put it together. They played the frequencies, and believe it or not the nucleotides formed the exact same DNA that Luc Montagnier had in Paris in his, in his, uh, in his, in his office. And I almost fainted because it, it's published, it's proven. He showed that water carries frequencies, okay? And what's in our DNA? It's water. And what I found out over a long period of time is that the the frequencies within the water in the DNA will stabilize that DNA. And if that water is not structured, meaning not hexagonal in form, it will not stabilize the DNA because DNA has a, a negative charge on it. So hydrophilic, they say. And the hydrogens go in there from the water and they bind on there and they stabilize that DNA. And the little OH parts, the negatives, go on the other side. That's what Jerry Pollack calls easy water, okay? And this 
separation creates like a battery. So we've got a battery of energy going on in our DNA. All right, now I've been looking into more and more into DNA, and I've been looking to see how does DNA transcribe, looking at the physics, looking at things like spinal, spinal waves, they call them, or um, a torus structure, okay, because one of the little structures that comes out of DNA is what they call a torus. It looks like a donut, okay, and it's got all these energy going around it, and I think that's part of the energy for transcription in DNA. Well, as, yes. Yeah, so you're getting really deep into some of the language here, so let's, I want to pause for just a minute, because most of the listeners to this show won't really understand where we're going, but and I want to walk them through. I want to back up a bit to the whole notion of energy at the level that the average person understands. So we understand the sun is out there and we have solar energy, we have heat energy. It invisibly travels to the planet. That is one source of energy. People understand um, sound is energy. It's it's vibrations that you don't see, but it reaches your eardrum, vibrates your eardrum, and you have sound. They understand, although it gets starts getting more and more abstract, um, that you can pick up a radio signal invisibly. You can, if you have the right device tuned to this invisible energy, you can watch an episode of I Love Lucy on a handheld device. That is another form of energy. And then when, you know, when you put any living thing under a microscope and the higher higher power you get down the more and more you see less matter and the more you just see vibration right, right. so i'm trying to yeah so i'm trying frequency so i'm trying to find a way like uh, if there's some metaphor to help people sort of visualize that this all this language that you're talking about is how everything in the universe exists and communicates right right yes you know it's very interesting that you're saying that because what i'm seeing and what i'm looking at and and working on right now with with physics and dna is that it is basically energy that goes from each brain each dna not just to the body but everywhere Okay, and this is why in the Bible it says, when two or more are gathered in my name, you are amplifying this energy. Yeah. And this energy of prayer has been proven to decrease, um, uh, for example, cancer growth um, to help with healing. Yeah. And I, I can't, I can honestly say, I don't know how it works. I do know it does work. And they've done studies on this to show this. In fact, I'm having a talk um, in a couple of weeks with Bruce Lipton, and I want him to do me a favor. I want him to take cancer cells or cells that he says there aren't cancer cells, but there are, to put carcinogens into normal cells, turn them into little cancer cells, and then to have several people concentrate on it reversing and it healing, and I think the vibrations can do this because we've seen this in, in lab experiments where when people were prejudiced against something working, it didn't work. And when they were prejudiced in favor of something working, it worked. So how much in our bodies and our energies and our mind is what we materialize in our body from our thoughts? Yes, yes, that is, it, that is so powerful. 
exactly what you said there. And over, I mean, we've got, we've, humans have in, in many cultures understood that power of prayer yes. for a long time, but then sort of a little bit more uh, agnostically, I guess, as it were, there's books out there. Like my mother loved the book called TNT, The Power Within You, Power of Positive Thinking, Visualize Something You Can Achieve It. There's all sorts of those thoughts. Right. So, you know, there is that sort of understanding. <clears throat> I think a, a great example of how our bodies are communicating with each other invisibly all the time and and we sort of know it but don't know it is if you move five women unrelated into one household within a couple of months their cycles will begin to align right. and pretty soon they're on the same schedule so what the heck is happening there you've got some sort of communication happening between these women um, that makes their whole physicality aligned. So what else when we're with other individuals is, is being communicated and aligned internally? Right. It's very powerful. And then one other example I want to give to people to sort of help them really understand that this complex thing that you're leading us down is, is very real and concrete, something they experience in their everyday lives. Right. And, and that would be, and I got this from the guy years ago who wrote a book and his explanation about like you're you're trying to heal your 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 spinal injury, your disc injury with with intention, with thought. Right. If you think about slicing a lemon and you think about putting that lemon in your mouth and sucking on that lemon, you can make your mouth salivate just by the thought of it. Right. So the connection between thought and a human biological response right. is very, very real. You're taking it to the next step. You're having the thought that you're going to empower your body to heal. Well, if you can make saliva, why can't you make cancer-fighting cells that ex already exist in the body? Why can't you boost those things up, right? Right. I, I, you can. You know, my brother, my brother was in the hospital with septicemia. And the um, the doctor that was taking care of him said he has bacteria in his heart, his lungs, his kidneys, everywhere. There's no hope. And he's resistant to the antibiotics, so there's nothing. So I said to everyone in the family, I want you to concentrate on a white pyramid light. And he's in this white pyramid light. Because I had heard this from somebody somewhere. I have no idea where. But, you know, it's, I, I'm always open to anything regardless if it's esoteric or not, if it might help a human being. So two days later, I get a call from the doctor. I don't know what happened. Your brother doesn't have any bacteria anymore. It's all completely gone. He, he's not going to die. He's actually in remission. And I thought to myself, wow, is this visualization of healing from light are we sending like photons out into the universe to heal somebody and can this work and this is where i am so curious to do more experiments in this stuff because look let's say you have a patient that has a heart transplant okay it's a heart transplant from a man that loved motorcycles and um and this is all true by the way and um the um, chicken chips, okay, like chicken chips and, and motorcycles. The man who receives his heart because he has a motorcycle accident and he's killed, but his heart is then used in someone else. And suddenly the man has a craving for chicken chips. And suddenly <laughs> the, this has been documented too. Wow. 
and there's an article by um, Professor Vitiello and his colleague from, uh, who's a physicist from the uh, University of Salerno, and he said that the heart and the brain are instantaneously connected, okay? And he wrote an article, it was last fall, I think, and he wrote an article, or a year ago, actually, and he said um, it's instantaneous, it's immediate. And he said he, they think it's because the heart is a vortex and it's directly connected to the brain. Well, I had just sent him a diagram of what I'm seeing going on in DNA, which is a vortex. Actually, now I see it's a double vortex, but it's complicated. And I drew this out and said, this is what's going on in DNA. I know he almost had a heart attack. He wrote me back because I hadn't seen his paper. I didn't know anything he was talking about. So and when you use the word vortex, in my head, I'm thinking of tornado. like tornado. Okay. At bingo. Okay. That's it. You're right. You're seeing okay. the tornado. And so I wrote him back, and, and he wrote me back then, and he said, <laughs> there's a no way you're going to know all of these things in the physics. <laughs> you must be intuitive. And I'm like, I feel like a witch. I will just know things. And I think if you're in science, as long as I've been in science, that things sort of, it's its as if they come spontaneously, but it isn't. It's built up from decades yeah. of research and learning. And this whole frequency story, prayer has a frequency. Did I tell you about the guy that invented the lie detector test? No, tell me. Baxter is his name, if he's still alive. I don't know if he's still alive, but Baxter decided, he decided once he was bored. You know how scientists are. They're a little weird sometimes. And he was <laughs> bored, so he decided to take an electrode and put it on his plant, his house plant, to see if it did anything. It didn't do anything. And then he thought to himself, I think I'll light a match and see what happens if I burn a leaf. And the lie detector t went nuts with panic. The, the plant was in a panic. And he was like, you've got to be kidding me. He couldn't believe this. So then he thought to himself, and he put, a, he put an electrode on the banana. And then he thought, I think I'll eat the banana. And the banana went nuts. <laughs> and so then he said, I want to thank the banana for offering its n nutrition and nutrients to me for my health. And the whole thing went down again. And I thought to myself, when I was a little girl, we were always praying over our food. We prayed over our food, and it was a normal thing to pray over the food, right? Because that was just acceptable. And now I'm reading this stuff on, on lie detector tests and how even the food will respond. So if you've got an apple there or an orange there or whatever, you know, thank the food for giving you nourishment. And I and I thought, this is really sounding weird. And yet at the same time, we have proof that the 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 nature around us responds to our frequencies and our thoughts. Our thoughts. Wow. wow. And you're reminding me of the work of um Margulis. What's her first name? I'm thinking of Jennifer, who's I know the daughter Jennifer. Um forget her first name. It'll come to me anyway. Her last name's Margulis. She was a research scientist. And she talked about symbiosis and the fact that, you know, it's not competition of the species. You know, all of existence is symbiotic. They want to get along. They want to find a way to live in harmony, that we help each other. And we, we've got viruses in our DNA. Right. You know, viruses are not really our enemies. And and what you're saying here makes so much sense. It's like, you know, we've been saying, you know, we can't go to war against the whole microbial kingdom. 
We're supposed to be symbiotically in relationship and balance and health with the microbial kingdom. And when you go out there with the war face, which big pharma and big medicine does, then you're going to meet resistance and fear and panic and self-protection by these entities. But if you go at it more gently, like the naturopathic holistic approach, and you find out how to live in harmony and to boost who you are and not have that fear, we all get along, right? I mean, it's all meshing. These two things to me are really meshing. It's, you know, and it absolutely makes sense because the thing is, what does fear do? It increases cortisone. What does cortisone do? It wipes out our immune system. What does that do? That allows any pathogenic bacteria to take over and so on and so forth, changes our body pH. I mean, all of these things fit together and it's so simple. It's really so simple. It's, Mm -hmm. It's something that one of the things that mankind unfortunately has forgotten is how to just let go. And I'm working right now on meditation, and I, I can tell you it's not easy to just let go because I'm always busy and working and worrying about a patient or this or that or something. Mm-hmm. But we have to be able to – that's why it's really important um, grounding yourself, walks in the woods, um, basically um, being part of nature. Even colors, even looking at different colored flowers can heal you. And green, the color green supposedly is also anti-pain. And blue heals. And I mean, it's just, and I'm looking at this thinking, wow, it's so complicated and yet so simple. Exactly. And and most of it is absolutely free. <laughs> Which is why those who are sort of in power and want to control us, they only make money if we live in a state of fear. Right. Right. And. Right. We need all governments, especially those who profess to have agencies that are looking out for health. Right. When you look at their marketing departments, they realized millennia ago that fear sells. Yep. If you want people to do a certain thing, they're more motivated by fear than joy. Right. You can motivate them to go line up and get these shots if they right. are very made afraid. And they have fear campaigns. I mean, and you can find them. This isn't a secret. This is what they do. They market fear. We have to figure out at a top level how to change that. But in the meantime, we just can change ourselves and not allow that fear absolutely into ourselves. So now I'm going to bring you back. So I hope people can sort of understand that what you're bringing to us, um, Professor, is it sounds like kind of woo-woo when you get down to the cellular level and the vortexes and, and being able to just use a certain frequency to create DNA. But when you, when you see that your whole world already operates that way, the real world, your, your experiential world, right. I think it just helps you understand and go down that rabbit hole. So you, I, I, I interrupted you where you were talking about um, the Nobel Prize winner, the French... Uh, oh, uh, Luc Montagnier, right, Luc Montagnier. And, and he, back up to those frequencies and how that created something at a distance. Right, well, the, the frequencies for me, when I found out, and this is what Tesla said too, everything is frequencies. 
Mm-hmm. And I mean, I would never argue with Tesla. <laughs> it was brilliant. And it's it's all frequencies and every every um I mean, even going back to Schumann frequencies, which are supposedly part of our basic frequencies in our body for balance. The earth has frequencies. In fact, they they had a problem when they were sending um uh, uh rocket ships off to, you know, circle the earth when they were outside of the atmosphere of the earth because they had a different frequency though. So they had to actually play the frequencies for these astronauts so that they wouldn't get sick. And it's very interesting to see how the earth itself has a frequency that is, is really um, balancing our bodies out because our bodies need that frequency. So when you say, I'm a very concrete person, when you say they had to play those frequencies, how did that look? Was it music set to a certain frequency that they would would that be enough, or was it it was it some soundless frequency? That's a good question. I I don't I don't know. I'd have to ask some of my people with CIA and all the rest. Like, <laughs> what what are, you, what are you doing? Because we have. I met a, a man that worked for the CIA many years ago uh, when I was in Washington D.C. and he said, "Did you know that? And you you've seen the movie Staring at Goats, right?" No. Oh, well, you should see that one. That's interesting because they've been working on uh, visualizations of things with the military. And he said that they had frequencies that could create fear, that create panic, that could create um, anger, depression, all these other things. And they can send them off from satellites. And I'm like, oh, my God, there's a million satellites up there. What are they sending us, right? And this is something that goes way back to um, actually even Frank Lloyd Wright when he was building houses. The, the, the great architect, Frank Lloyd Wright, found that you had to have the golden ratio, 1 to 1.618. You could not have a square room. Why? Because it had a negative energy and a negative frequency. There's a whole book by Ibrahim Karim on biogeometry where he talks about he talks about frequencies and he's writing a new book now on symbols having frequencies and so on. And so I was looking at this stuff and I'm thinking, oh my God, there's an entire world out there that I didn't even know about. You know, I'm just looking at this one little iota here. But uh, Luc Montagnier proved that water could carry frequencies. And that you could program water to um, influence things. And I don't know how long. That's the interesting thing. That's what I'd like to also take a look and test some of that out. Because when I had my scalar wave machine, I wanted to take it out on the balcony. And I wanted to yell out, love! (laughs) 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 And hope that people would stop fighting and start caring about each other and mankind and all of the rest of the positive things. Because I thought to myself, if that's a frequency and we call out that word, then we should be able to help it. Now, you know what fear does? Fear activates your cerebellum. And when your cerebellum is activated, it shuts off your frontal lobe for rational thinking. Isn't that... That amazing on, right when you get that that so explains when you know you've got concrete evidence that say masks don't pretend work right. all these days all this stuff and you just ask for a rational calm discussion they can't if they're in this state of fear or they've been living there for so long and and made to believe they can't hear you they can't see you no. as if you know it's it's really um so concerning uh yeah wow yeah, it's just for me, it, it absolutely blew my mind. And when I started seeing some of this stuff, I realized that A, I don't have a TV. B, I don't watch television. C, I hardly ever listen to the news because I know that it's, you know, most of it's own programmed and, you know, 
mm-hmm. and causing gloom, doom, and depression. And these are things that we have to avoid because if you want to change the world, you have to start with yourself. Yes. And this is the most important thing to say, you know what? Someday maybe I'm going to die. So what? But right now I have things to do. And I think it's an important point to this fear, fear, fear. Um, it's handicapping our ability to, um, to be kind, to be mm-hmm. rational, to yeah. be practical, to be loving. It's all fear, 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 fear. And, mm-hmm. and this is, this is a, it's a very strong weapon. That's what Hitler used also. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Hitler used this trick that, oh, well, they all have typhus, so we have to get rid of them because they're going to make us all sick. And so then they, they walled off then the Jewish community trying to, with these lies. And it's, it's the same type of a thing in, in many, many situations where if somebody wants to take over uh, a group or people, what they do is they, um, they put fear in everyone else. And right. by instilling this fear, there there's a good psychologist from, uh, I think he's from Belgium, that was discussing this whole fear factor, which was really amazing. Fear is a frequency, okay? Mm-hmm. Which is, I thought to myself, I wonder what kind of frequency they're playing in the background of the news, you know? Yeah. Is this a fear frequency, or is it just because the, the news is so doomed and gloomed and all of this other stuff? And, I, and I'm thinking to myself, this is, this is total madness. Mm-hmm. And it, when we all start rationally thinking together and saying you know what just say no mm-hmm. and that's the thing and this is what i was listening to the other day on a, on a discussion from someone who said you know what what we need is a collective no you're yeah. not pushing me there Mm-mm. you're not you're not making me afraid because i know that i'm in control of my destiny and i'm going to be and yeah. this is the thing and so now they're losing this these massive insane people and they they're not happy about it i know that and i see this coming and i see the more desperate somebody is to take something over the more desperate their situation is and we saw that during the second world war with hitler i mean how he went to one extreme to another to another to yeah. another and this is this is something where that you know to, and to keep trying to feed the the fear i yeah. i think right now m- many have awakened to realize Wait a minute. Remember, remember who, which president said the only thing we have to fear is fear itself? Yeah, I don't remember, but it's a famous. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And I thought to myself, okay, this makes sense. And this is something where, um, you know, just don't dwell on it. Let it go. Yeah. It just and, and going on. And it, this has been building for a long time. It was it was pre-COVID, but, but it's coming from so many angles now. And one of the biggest uses of fear that we need to encourage people to let go of is the fear of speaking up, speaking yep. up and speaking out against. And, and it's multi, we've got the disease approach right. that the, um, you know, whether you're for or against the vaccine, you're afraid to speak up. You're afraid to speak up on many platforms. One of the biggest things, and, and we saw it being planted years ago. Um, there's no time like right now to explain my personal things that I have seen but they're attempting that anybody that doesn't go along with a certain agenda here, 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 and here, they are associating with um, violent extremism Mm -hmm. and white supremacy. It doesn't matter what your race, creed, or color is. 
Right. If you're not part of the agenda, you are an extremist. And in Washington state, there's some legislation right now that they actually specifically named like anti-vaxxers and anti-maskers, people who, you know, don't trust vote outcomes, people who are opposed to um, uh, drag queen story hours, that these people are inciting domestic violent extremism. Right. I mean, it's, it's so bizarre. But but even though it's bizarre and it's so ridiculous they would say this, it makes people afraid to stand up and say, no, that's ridiculous, because they know then that, oh, but, you know, you get labeled. You see what I'm saying? It's yeah. labeling you. And they're trying at a national level. They did it with January 6th. They're doing it in, in all these areas to make anybody who doesn't want to go with it afraid. So. We all, wherever you're experiencing fear that is preventing you from standing up and speaking truth, right? that's where right. we have to resist. Now, my friends have always told me that I have duck oil. I don't know if I've explained, said that to you before. So you know how ducks in the water and water just sheds right off of them because they've got right. duck, right? So that's how right. they duck get, oil. get doused and, go, and they come up and they're dry, right? Because they've got duck oil. Well, through no choice of my own I'm of the personality type or genetics or whatever that for the most part I can be in situations where all this is coming at me and it it kind of rolls off me sometimes it fires me up to take more action um, but it doesn't get me to the point of fear of speaking or I might be a little bit intimidated you know what I mean but pretty much I can I can live there right and stand up and that's probably why I rose up to you know be a, a bit of a leader in, in certain areas but not everybody has duck oil and and but everybody needs to learn I guess for those of if you're not lucky enough to have it naturally but right. but I got to tell you even me with my duck oil um, there are certain things when it came to like the shots I can I can avoid getting a shot but there are other things that are coming, especially coming at the children. Yes. And when I hear them and realize that they're going to take away your ability to say no. Right. That's when I almost land on a puddle on the floor. That hits me in the gut. It, it, gets, it penetrates past my duck oil. Right. And so I then also have to be somebody who has to choose right. to not be crippled by fear. Right. To, to find that inner peace, to go right. out there. And this is when, and maybe for this last bit here, we've kind of been all over. This has been so much fun. And we'll do more talks on this. But for this last bit here, let's talk about the very concrete physical acts that individuals can do to, to calm their energy and find that inner strength to move forward in a positive way and to do what needs done. One of the things you mentioned, and let's take it a little further, go outside, take off your socks and shoes and stand in the grass, on the ground, and actually bond with the frequency of the planet. It's very calming, right? Very, very. Hugging a tree. Um, they actually took an uh, electromagnetic field meter. They went up to the tree, and when they got to the tree, the whole, the whole magnetic field dropped. It just completely balanced it all out. It's amazing, and it detoxes you. This is what um, some friends of mine from Germany were telling me. They said, you know, Dana, 
you need to ground yourself because you live way up in an apartment and you're on you're up on top and you're never outside because you're always working. And so they said, go get a, a it's like a sack or a, or a bag or a, a maybe a small pillowcase, and go put pieces of bark and and little bits of branches in there. And keep that with you or even put it in your bed because it will ground you because it will pull off a lot of these. Na- and I th- I th- I'd never heard of this before. This is really, you know, old German um, forms of, of therapy, et cetera. But we do know that the grounding in the wood and so on and so forth will pull off a lot of these negative energies. And you're absolutely correct. And that that's one wonderful way to do it, the, the grounding in that way. Um, and there are many ways. Singing. Singing does it. Listening to happy music, um, singing along with it, maybe not singing along with it, but listening to happy music. Um, and But nature is one of the best healers of everything in the soul. And just letting it go, letting it go, you know, just going out and watching a squirrel takes your mind off of whatever the other weird stuff in the world is going on. And I have this strange, it's a, an Irish habit or whatever you want to call it, where I can call the animals and they come. And it's kind of weird sometimes. It's like I went to once with my daughter when she was just a little thing. And we went with the kindergarten to the zoo. And one duck came out of the water, walked up to me and sat down between my feet. <laughs> and my daughter says, oh, this happens to mommy all the time. <laughs> and I, it's like, but the nature, the nature itself, you know, now instead, since I don't have a dog or a cat, to, uh, cats actually can heal through purring, which is interesting. That's um, work from um, uh, Bologna, from one of the professors in Bologna. Forgot, I forgot his last name. But anyway, he, uh, he showed that with cats. I can't have a pet here because I'm way up on top and I'm in a, in a, it's all private apartments. And so I go out and feed the foxes. Oh. And they come when I whistle. So you talk about Pavlov. They come when I whistle. I, I go out and uh, maybe once or twice a week with cooked chicken livers and cooked lamb ribs. And, and I mean, I'm sure the neighbors think I'm absolutely off the wall. But um, they, they all the babies come when I, when I call them. I do have a special whistle, and they all know the whistle. So they all come because they know they're getting food. So I'm training the foxes in the backyard. I forget everything. I forget worries, concern, fear. You, how can you dwell on fear and this and that when you're looking at cute little animals running up, you know, being fed by you and, you know, watching the birds fly by and, and, you know, all of this stuff in nature. You're absolutely correct. Nature is there. And this is what somebody told me from India. She said, you know, the people that live in the city are often unhappy. They always have to go out and buy something new to make them happy. But she said, Every day when I go out in my garden, I find something new. I find a new flower. I find a new leaf. I, I, I see a monkey, I, you know, whatever. And the, it's, all, it's all the changes in our world from the seasons and from everything else. And it's really quite amazing because I thought to myself, you know what? That lady's really smart. <laughs> she obviously knows a lot more than a lot of the people living in the cities that have no joy or pleasure. They need to have something in their lives that is that is beautiful, that is rewarding. And I don't care if it's a plant in the window. That alone helps. And it helps yeah. to give off frequencies. That makes so much sense that when you move into a more artificial environment, 
you know, your essence still wants what nature provides and you're not getting it. So you're, you're just sort of driven to, you're seeking it. You're seeking the change through purchases and, right. and different things. And it's, um, materialism, um, who needs yeah. it? You know, it's a thing. What, what do you, what do you want in life? And I thought to myself, you know, it's, it's the, the materialism is so irrelevant. I mean, I grew up in an environment where everybody everybody in the neighborhood was 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 either wealthy or famous or something and my next door neighbor was the head um engineer for the saint lawrence seaway okay uncle martin we called him uncle martin and another neighbor was the state's attorney for the for the whole state etc cetera, etc cetera. and you know this, this is went on and on and on professors and doctors and this and that and so on and they all had old cars they all refurbished their old cars it was old money and I thought to myself, you know, growing up in this environment and then watching my father have a stroke when mm. I was only 15 and he was an oral surgeon. And I thought to myself, what is the importance of money when the most important thing we have in life are two things? One is nature and the other is our health. Mm -hmm. That's it. And everything else is so superficial and irrelevant. And that people get lost on this pathway. And you know when you were ta talking about how people are afraid and this and that and they don't want to stand up against something. One of the reasons that is is because when you go back in time, what do you see? You see the tribe protecting you. Okay? You see this in certain fanatic religions too where they will ostracize you. You're not, you're not going to be part of us anymore. We're going to exclude you. You're not going to be spoken with and all this. And these, this is the type of fear that I think people have when they think, oh, I'm not going to be accepted. And you see this in the kids now when they're always on, you know, they're always on um, one of the, one of their, their social media platforms. They want to be accepted, 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 rather than being individual and say, ah, who cares? I'm going to do my thing. They're always terrified that they're not going to be accepted. And I think this is part of the manipulation of the masses. Yes, yes. I'm so glad you bring that up. And it's funny because... There are, we meet people and they're like, oh, it's so wonderful to meet you. I, I lost my old tribe. They actually use the word tribe, you know, yeah. and, and they need to build that new tribe because we, as much as we need to stand as individuals honoring what we feel to know the truth, right. open to new truths, right? Because right. we must learn and grow, right. but being confident to stand in that we'd never stand completely alone. We are always connected yeah. to others and we need community. Right. It's right. so important. It's good to need the tribe, but the problem is of course, when there are others trying to manipulate your need for the tribe, right? right? So I often feel like the bad guys out there, they know everything about that. They know this right. and they co-opt the best, best of humanity because I really believe that most people deep down, they're good souls. They want, they want to belong, they want to help, they want to be loved, they want to love, they right. want to do right. And that gets played upon by, by forces who want to have, you know, go in a certain direction. And, you know, I think we all had a huge global wake up to the manipulation. Like, you know, climate change seemed like such an awful thing. It's still being marketed as this. But then when you begin <laughs> to like, actually look at it closely, it doesn't pass the sniff test, right? right? And you realize, okay, if they're not accomplishing what they claim to be, what are they accomplishing, right? And it's all these other things. Control. 
control and manipulation. But you can only begin to understand that you're being manipulated when you can step back from the fear. Right. So that you begin engaging the frontal lobe again. And right. Think. <laughs> exactly. And so for that, you hug a tree. Right. You walk in the grass. You um, get a bag of bark. <laughs> right. right. Um, probably not from Lowe's or somewhere. You might want bark <laughs> from the, you know, that's not you don't sterilized. Do you want? <laughs> <laughs> no, exactly. Um, from the real woods. And and reach out to others and, and love and talk and eat real food. Um, be forgiving of yourself. Be forgiving of others. I mean, there's just so many ways. Um, prayer. Um, you know, and everybody's got a different way to pray. Not oh, yes. that that church isn't for you, but this church is. Find right. your or we all have different vibrational things, yes. right? Yes. Yeah. I said to one of my cancer patients when, and I, I said, you know, you should pray. And she said, um, I don't believe in God. And I said, did you have a grandmother that you loved? Oh, I love my grandma, but she died. And I said, look, pray to her. I said, it doesn't matter to whom. It matters the intention. That's what counts. Mm. And the ability to visualize in situations where you can actually get somebody um, to concentrate on, and this goes, of course, especially for illness and, and, and panic and all the rest of trust, just mm-hmm. trust mm-hmm. and let go. And if somebody around you is one of these, oh, fear, 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 leave them. Yeah. Just let them go to their own insanity, whatever they want to do. Go into your own world and work on your own world because there's going to always be chaos in the world. I mean, look at Noah. Yeah. Can you imagine how crazy they must have thought he was? Yeah. He's building a, He's building an ark in the yeah. middle of a desert. I mean, who does crazy things like that, right? Yeah. And it's like, okay, that's his prerogative. Maybe there's a reason behind all of this stuff. And this is something where I think that sometimes when I look at this and I try to be ob- objective because I'm not um, prejudiced in any religion uh, any way, shape, or form, but what, I, what I'm looking at is uh, if, if there's a God up there, which has got to be something that created all this stuff, it's too brilliant. Um, what on earth does he think of mankind when everybody's trying to stab each other in the back, take what they can get, and all of this? You know, I actually wrote a musical called Greed, mm-hmm. and I hired a scriptwriter to, and we have songs in there like, you've got to do it to others before they do it to you, right? <laughs> Or yeah. you've got to go where the money goes. That's a yeah. good one. I think you've talked about this before. Have you got have you got that produced yet? Is there No, it was accepted by West End Broadway. I hired a woman who's a very, very talented scriptwriter and she's now got a, a short movie out too. Um and I um and the fellow that took it took it in twenty twenty, loved it. He's also um he also teaches music. Um and he opened up a couple of plays on Western Broadway and he wanted greed because he said it was, it was perfect for the time, but then, then COVID hit and everything went into lockdown and I don't even know where he is now. I just hope he's okay. Cause I know his family's from Canada and I'm, I'm so afraid something might've happened to him if he had to fly back to Canada or whatever. Yeah. So I, I am, you know, I am looking with trepidation to see, okay, who is, Who's still going to be with us? <laughs> who's yeah. going to be Who's going to be safe? And and I'm still trying to reverse um, as much toxicity as I can. 
um, either with, you know, natokinase and quercetin and vitamin D and, you know, even I have one lady that she did get jabbed and she ended up uh, losing all the uh, ability to tear in her eyes until she started drinking um, dandelion root tea mm. and all came back. Wow. Isn't that a great trick? Yeah, that, that is. And dandelion root, that I know that that is... In Anti-cancer too. The, in, yeah, and the liver, like detoxing in the liver, right, right with the dandelion root. Right. Interesting. And, you know, we are such fascinating creatures. The idea that researchers in a lab could create products to inject in us and fully understand, <laughs> you know. And then, of course, on the subject of energy, what sort of energy is in something that actually is made to impact um, and create you know, with the mRNA to get your body to create things. It's, it's very concerning, but we're going to end this. We've, we should probably wrap it up here on this positive note, on this wonderful level of energy. Let's leave people two things with our last words of advice for finding that positive, loving, happy energy to move forth into the world with, and also where they can find you online and your information um, in case they want to read what you've written or they want to reach out to you for your your healing services that you have. Well, they can look at, at Colmed, C-O-L-L-M-E-D, colmed.org. And uh, I started that when in 2007 after I had a patient sent home to die in 39 years of age and and her cancer was reversed with frankincense. And back then, I mean, I was seeing more and more how nature can heal us and that for every disease, there's plants and, and vegetables and, and even even things like, like broccoli and cabbage that can reverse situations. There, there's, there, there's so many like PD-1 inhibitors. It's a, those are the new, new drugs, right? This is with the drug companies. But the, do you know how many foods block PD-1? And help to reverse this whole immune support. I'm I'm overwhelmed. I am so every time I read something new, a new herb or this or that, and see how effective it is and how it helps. I think you know God had this all done before mankind was even made, and before any disease was ever even named, discovered, or developed, or whatever the heck. You know, there, there's always something out there in nature, and this just it floors me. <laughs> How incredibly, the most recent thing I found was Dang Shen, and Dang Shen is red sage from China. It's been used for, for thousands of years. It works so well in cancer that I, and it, you know what it works on? The mutated mRNA in cancer cells. Oh, you have got to be kidding, right? Wow. How did God know this, right? <laughs> how, did, how did he know this? Everything is all out there at our fingertips, and so... That's why what I try to do is get also blogs on Colmed. Um, Colmed.org, we put out certain blogs on things. Like I just wrote one the other day on diet. Um, what is it? It's um, detox diet and exercise. And just the basics from an oncologist colleague of mine who said, you know, I had a patient that was therapied out with prostate cancer and nothing else helped him. And he went on a, he went on a diet of all fresh fruits and vegetables um, he got off of any junk food. He got off of any junk. He started exercising. And in, in one year, he was completely cured. Wow. <clears throat> it's all out there. The rest it's is in our head. 
Yeah. And then, you know, the more I learn, the more you realize how we've been taught to fear disease, fear cancer, and believe that only Western medicine can stop it. And it's quite the opposite, actually. Right. Yeah. Nature, <laughs> nature can do it a thousand times better yeah. and has been doing it for thousands of years better. Yeah. Um, but there's no money in it. <laughs> there's no money in it. You know, Mankind has done some wonderful inventions, so I'm not going to completely throw away the ER if I'm hit by a car and I'm oh, all no, broken and bleeding. <laughs> There's some brilliant things that humans have added to the right. world of healing, but once they patch you up and stop the hemorrhaging, I want to get home to my fresh fruits and vegetables and my right. um, my spirulina powder and all the good things. That <laughs> <laughs> no, you're right. You're right. And that's, you know, it's it's just a matter. And I, every single one of my patients, what I tell them is, I'm going to help you get yourself well, but then you have a job to do to help other people to help them get well. So teach them what I teach you mm -hmm. so that you can then help other people. And that that's to me what it's all about. And I, I always say the greatest word in mankind is kind. Oh, I love that. And let's all remember that, that we are all part of mankind. That's right. That's right. right. Thank you, my dear. Well, thank you so much for joining me on an Inform Life Radio. And I'm going to have you back on again soon. So I'm sending you love and prayers. Same, for your same to you. And continued great work, my dear. Well, thank you. And thank you for all you're doing. I'd, we need you. We need you in this world, and we need people like you in this world to make it the most beautiful world that can be. Right back at you, my dear. Take Thank care. Bye-bye. Hi, I'm Brad Dacus, president and founder of the Pacific Justice Institute. For over 25 years, PGI's mission has been to defend religious freedom, parental rights, and the sanctity of human life. PJI has protected patients from being taken off life support and stood up for citizens around the country facing job loss for medical decisions that should be left between them and their doctor. For free legal representation and resources, visit pji.org. Hi, I'm Lynn Redwood, president of the nonprofit Children's Health Defense. Our chairman, Robert F. Kennedy Jr., and our entire team are devoted to ending the epidemic of illnesses and disorders plaguing our children today. Through legal action, we're working to hold industries and government agencies accountable and to establish safeguards to prevent further harm. We're working overtime during this COVID-19 crisis to keep you informed about the politics and science of rush vaccine candidates. Freedom and our children's futures have never been more in jeopardy. But we can succeed. With your help, we can stop the devastation and give our children and grandchildren the healthy future they deserve. To learn more about what we're doing and how you can help, visit childrenshealthdefense.org and sign up for our free news. Please visit childrenshealthdefense.org today. Are you suffering from a sinking feeling that the COVID-19 pandemic is being blown out of proportion and that nothing in the news is making any sense? If so, then there is a fact-based, science-driven news show designed just for you. 
My name is Del Bigtree, and I am the host of The High Wire, the world's most trusted news source in digital media when it comes to accurate, science-based reporting on the COVID-19 pandemic. From COVID-19 vaccine development to mask mandates, school shutdowns to job layoffs, The High Wire goes beyond providing you with the most accurate, evidence-based investigations. We send you links to the sources for all of our reporting so that you can further your own investigation and come to your own informed conclusions. High above the agenda-driven circus of mainstream media, we do not run. We do not hide from the truth. Instead, we walk the high wire. If you care about truth, then join us on Instagram, Twitter, Roku, and our website, thehighwire.com.